0: This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. Hi, Chad. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Katie. How about you?
0: I'm good. I hear uh, you're a cat dad.
1: I am a cat dad. Uh, just picked up the little guy, Tucker, uh, this past <laughs> Thursday. He's three months old and he's a little tiny black cat you can see pictures of him on uh, my twitter account and he is a handful i've got scratches all over my arms but uh i love him already so (laughs) i'm glad he's he's here with me and if you hear any vague cat playing related sounds in the background (laughs) now you know why (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm very, very jealous, and uh, yeah, ha- have you owned a cat before?
1: I have. I got my first cat when I was in fourth grade for Christmas, and uh, had him for 11, going on 12 years, I think, and uh, my parents have a cat now, and I love him to death, but this is my like first 100% mine, nobody else is living here to take care of him, I have to do it myself, cat, so uh, awesome. I'm, I'm enjoying so jealous. it, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, let's dive into our episode discussion for today. You want to give us our stats for Back to Vacation?
1: Sure. This episode aired on January 4th of 2007. It was directed by Julian Farino and written by Justin Spitzer.
0: So Michael has returned from his trip to Sandals, Jamaica when we last saw him. And drama strikes Dunder Mifflin when Jan is spotted in a photo from Michael's trip. And it's uh, not just any photo. It's a pretty risque photo. Michael accidentally forwards this photo to the entire warehouse, and soon everyone knows. In other news, Karen is moving down the street from Jim, and they're in a big fight about it, and Pam agrees to help, which is a big step forward in her and Jim's friendship since Jim moved back. It's also inventory day at Dunder Mifflin, and Michael has instructed the party planning committee to throw a luau-themed inventory party in honor of his trip to Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) jan shows up during this inventory luau and demands to speak with michael in private michael is sure that jan has learned about this risque photo being leaked but instead jan admits her feelings for michael so we get some development in their relationship
1: yeah to start off with michael comes back to the office in this episode with this like over romanticized super touristy view of jamaica and their, their supposed lack of problems. And he's saying stuff like, Man, and he's playing a steel drum pretty poorly and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he goes so gung-ho into things, and he just doesn't have a full understanding of what it is he's diving into. And Jamaica really isn't as touristy kind of fun as he would like to think it is.
0: Yeah, I think there's even a, at one point... Um he's talking to Pam about how much fun Jamaica was and how everyone's just so chill there. And Pam says, well, you know, it's a pretty impoverished country.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Michael
0: just has this whole idea of, of, you know, Jamaica and how it's just this paradise and it is beautiful, but, uh, he got the pretty, you know, PG touristy rated version of Jamaica. So, um, but he's living his best Island life there in Scranton, <laughs> Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah. And then he goes on to admit to the camera that uh, Jan went with him, but he's not going to talk about it. So we sort of left that as a teaser at the end of our last episode where Michael had called somebody and that somebody had said yes to this trip to Sandals. And it was Miss Jan Levinson. He says he's not going to talk about it, but they saw each other at night and in the morning. And that's all I'm going to say. Sex. Sex. We had sex. (laughs) I had sex with Jan. (laughs) <laughs> and he just can't stop or keep anything that is intimate to himself the the whole kiss don't tell kind of policy that most people i think should probably abide by that's not even in michael's vocabulary
0: he's been so i mean edge of his seat with jan since i mean what a few episodes into up to season 1 i guess um He's always thought she was very attractive and then their relationship or their pending relationship has been um, kind of on the rocks f- for a long time now. And he's finally, I mean, he did an international trip with her. I mean, this is a huge deal for them, for him. And uh, he can't keep it to himself at all.
1: This is his first real victory on the whole Jan front ever since, uh, what, what's the, the one at Chili's, that episode was called...
0: Yeah, the... Um... Uh,
1: the Client, I believe. The Client. Yeah, yeah. all the way back yeah. in The Client. That was when the the relationship truly started off. They had their tension and their sort of romantic uh, potential before then, but The Client, episode seven of season two, uh, ever since then, it's been Michael trying to pursue her and her really not giving in or denying that they ever had anything to begin with, and yet here he is, and he is finally, finally successful. So good for you, Michael, I suppose. I don't know if Jan's a great person to be proud to be with, <laughs> but likewise for Jan, I suppose.
0: <laughs> and of course, we get this whole drama with the photo. So Michael sends this photo, or he tries to send it, rather, to Todd Packer. He's on the phone with Todd, and Todd does not believe that he took... to jamaica so he's trying to forward this to todd his email is packer at dundermifflin.com michael sends it to packaging at dundermifflin.com which is the warehouse so um he runs downstairs to talk to daryl daryl has already forwarded it to everyone he knows and um yeah it pretty much just gets leaked over the whole company Toby, in fact, says that he got it sent to him from his ex-wife, and they no longer speak. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, pretty big deal, I guess. Um, And not something you want documented all over your company, for sure.
1: Yeah, Toby approaches him saying, you know, you should disclose the relationship to HR for his own protection. But Jan says... That or Michael says that Jan was very clear that they are not dating. So despite her finally giving in and apparently having intimate relations with Michael, it's, they're still not a thing, at least not at the start of this episode. My favorite part, though, is when she does show up at the end of the episode and he thinks he's in trouble. And instead, she says, you know, I'm attracted to you. And that my psychiatrist says that I should give in to these destructive tendencies uh, that I have, and that Michael is wrong for her in every way, but she deserves to be happy. So she's giving in, and now her and Michael can be together in some form or fashion, and all of the negative parts of this, because it's really an incredibly negative thing to say. Uh,
0: I, I was just thinking, <laughs> yeah, that. It, I mean, imagine being so into somebody and they avoid you and avoid you and then all of a sudden they say you know what you're so bad for me but i'll just give you a shot like that's just
1: <laughs> yeah it's horrible but but in michael's head he still perceives it as a victory he doesn't think of the negative parts of it at all it's just this hysterical moment where he says and i to you in addition feel the same feelings that you are as well and <laughs> <laughs> it's jan, jan- just sort of stares like, yeah, good, good, good. I, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page or something to that effect. And uh, then she starts to walk away and he does the whole you complete me thing. And they almost like violently kiss for a second. It's like this uh, few brief seconds of just intense physical passion. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> man, they just jump into the deep end way too soon as Michael always does.
0: One interesting thing about that scene as well, um, because Jan beats Michael to his office, she decides to sit down behind Michael's desk. Mm -hmm. And Michael is sitting on the other side, on the subordinate side of the desk, which yes, Jan is his boss, but she is in Michael's office. I thought that was a really interesting um, power play to go ahead and just take Michael's chair.
1: A very Jan thing to do.
0: Very Jan,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Then we've got other things going on, uh, the whole Jim and Karen situation and Karen, he, he tells Karen that it would be a bad idea for her to move into a house down the street for, from him because it would be too close. Like they were living together and you know, I see what he means, but I don't really think that his issue is with the two of them living near each other or even really near her. I mean, it's not that I think he doesn't like her, but. Uh, I think it's really more of him being around Pam automatically makes any dynamic that him and Karen have completely different again.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And Jim and Karen have not been together for a very long time, it seems. And uh, I mean, it was a big deal for her to move to Scranton. So they're, they're clearly at some level, a more, uh, a more significant relationship, but I I can see why he would be uncomfortable. I can also see why he's being ridiculous. It's just, you know, as as Pam says, how far does she live now? Like 10 minutes away? I mean, is it going to be that big of a deal? No, but I can see both sides.
1: Yeah, I I, I do see both sides, but I just don't think that the real problem is them living close. I think he has some sort of other hang up there, Um, or maybe he's just not confident enough in their relationship. I don't know. Um, and of course he actually, well, he doesn't go to Pam for this. He's sort of sitting by himself and she approaches him. You'd think she'd shy away from relationship talk with Jim about Karen, but you know, she, she does prove that the foundation of anything that Jim and Pam may have for each other at any point, their foundation is a friendship. And she proves that by going to him and offering to hear him talk through his problems with Karen or this, this situation that they're going through. And uh, she does share advice and say, you know, it, it's not that much closer than you already live. It's not that big a deal. Maybe you should give her a break. And Karen thanks her later says, thank you for talking some sense into Jim. And Pam seems fine, but it's shortly after that, that we see her weeping alone in the hallway. It's, it really does take a toll on her. And it really, I think this is, that's the moment that really sort of solidifies that Pam is having these uh, feelings for Jim because it's sort of been hinted at this whole time in season three. But I think this is the first time where we really see, I, I don't want to call it proof, but basically proof that she's feeling something and her feelings are hurt because Jim's with somebody else.
0: Yeah. Because everything she's done for Jim in this episode has been, you know, a great friend move she offered to help and talk and then when she did she encouraged him to side with karen to side with his girlfriend so she's really being a good friend here and in doing so kind of puts up a wall between her and jim saying like you are with this other woman now you should be siding with her you should be you know yeah and and so it really really pains her that uh that she has to do that and and be his friend and not his girlfriend I think um that may be putting it a a bit far but she's she's definitely realizing now that she has put herself kind of in the quote friend zone.
1: And that leads to a real like sweet moment with Dwight Um, at least to begin with. Uh, It's one of the first true tender moments we get from him in the show where uh, he sees Pam crying in the hallway and he goes over and he takes off his jacket and he sits with her and consoles her. He puts an arm around her and um, she tells him that he doesn't have to stay. He says, I know, and just sits there and comforts her. Uh, It's really sweet. And he does slightly ruin it by assuming, you know, uh, you must be PMSing real bad, huh? But whether that's what he thinks or not, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The fact is she's there crying and he's there consoling her in some way, uh, which is again, something really completely different than we've seen from Dwight up to this point.
0: I've always thought that Dwight and Pam had a special, but kind of unwritten relationship We don't get a whole lot of their relationship, but I do think that they are very sweet to each other a lot of the time. And I I love that scene where Dwight comforts her because it's both very funny and very sweet at the same time. Um, He takes off his jacket, making us think he's going to give it to her. But he doesn't because it's warm in there. So he takes off his jacket and ties it around his waist, saying, ah, it's pretty hot in here. And then he takes out his handkerchief and hands it to her. So he did have that chivalrous gesture. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a moment where Dwight almost looked like he was about to cry. He was getting really emotional while he was comforting Pam. Um, I don't know what that was about. Maybe he was just being really empathetic. But it was a pretty loaded moment between the two of them
1: i'm trying to think of specifically the moment you mean was it when she said that he didn't have to stay and he said i know is is, i'm trying to think of Um, i'm i think i know the moment you're talking about i'm just trying to remember the like exact context
0: you know i am not sure um
1: listeners find that moment for us tell us what's happening (laughs) um we'd pull it up on the show if we could but we we can't (laughs) um (laughs) well moving on to our funny moments uh we do start off with the cold open um (laughs) which is a meeting in the conference room without michael and dwight sets out a tape recorder to record the meeting for michael and jim decides to have some fun with it he pretends dwight is stripping says he has a knife, uh, is wearing a baby's bonnet. And then Karen joins in the fun and says he has a Muppet baby's tattoo. And then Phyllis joins in and jokes about Jim Carrey being there. Then Andy proving, we see more of how tone deaf Andy is in the next episode, but he just shows how tone deaf he is here by ruining it and shouting, I'm now chopping off Phyllis's head with a chainsaw. And it just completely kills the mood. And it's it's awful.
0: And it's, again, I mean, all of the things that they were joking about were visual jokes and Andy's is an auditory joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he then has to ring ring, ding 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 <laughs> the chainsaw. It just is completely failed and violent joke. It's just...
1: <laughs> That's not the exact Andy trademark quote, but is it sort of the first iteration of it? The whole rid it dit do kind of thing?
0: I don't know. I hadn't thought about it that way, but... He's definitely a sound effects guy. Yeah, he Um, is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I wanted just to point out, it's not really a funny moment as far as it is a funny costuming choice. But Michael's one tiny dreadlock is (laughs) one of my favorite things in this episode. He just has this one little three bead braid in his hair above his ear uh, just to kind of bring a piece of Jamaica home with him and uh, refuses to take it out all day.
1: It's just about the only thing you could do with his hair in the, in the way yeah. of grouping it up and doing things. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Uh, now, this isn't a funny moment either, but I did want to mention that it is mentioned that Hannah has now quit because of concerns of her being a working mother and maybe not getting the proper respect in the workplace, which really, as we've talked about, amounts to her being almost indecent in the workplace and blaming it on her being a mother. But... uh Right. That's a. <laughs>
0: so we're down to two now.
1: Yeah, down to down to two, only two. And again, that's something that Andy points out in the next episode.
0: Speaking of Andy, uh, I wanted to point out that we've seen him be pretty musical now, right? So he has pointed out that he is a singer. We've seen him play the ukulele. We see him play the steel drums pretty well in this episode. We uh, he steals Michael's um, steel drum and starts singing. Michael. Um, can pretty much only do feeling hot, hot, hot <laughs> right, over and over and over and over. But Andy's pretty um, competent. So something to keep an eye out for. He's a pretty musical guy.
1: Now, this isn't, I, I know I'm sort of hijacking our funny moments section for just random commentary, but uh, <laughs> something I wanted to mention last week, but forgot, you know, there's been a conspicuous absence of Oscar in season three so far. Um, So I just wanted to mention something we forgot or I forgot specifically last week, where in A Benihana Christmas, uh, towards the end, Oscar stopped by with his roommate slash boyfriend, Gil, and just sort of stood there in the entryway and stared and decided, ah, too soon. Because at that moment, Angela was singing Little Drummer Boy and everybody else was doing this and that. And he just decided, nah, not right now. And so they walk out before anybody notices them. (laughs) Uh, we still don't have a specific reason for his absence, but uh, it seems he will be back soon since he does make an appearance in that episode.
0: Yeah, I did think it was interesting that he showed up in Benny at Christmas, but not this episode. So he's clearly in the area. We don't know why he's gone, but I'm not sure why he's not back after he showed up at the Christmas party. So I guess, yeah, something to keep an eye out for.
1: Yeah, soon. Soon, it seems, he'll be back.
0: Quite a number of deleted scenes for both for both this episode and Traveling Salesman. Um, did you have any that you wanted to mention for this episode?
1: Yeah, the very first one uh, might have been the first deleted scene on the disc, which was when Michael was in his car on his way to work. And he was talking about his Jamaican experiences to the camera. And he says he took an actual chill pill in Jamaica. A guy sold it to him for 40 bucks on the beach. And uh, after he finished vomiting, he was most relaxed he'd ever been. (laughs) Not, uh, no, not a good idea to to buy things from people off the street or the beach or wherever it might have been.
0: Mm. Uh, We see several gifts that Michael gives to the people of the office. Uh, He gives... Dwight a genuine Rastafarian wig, one of those cheap, you know, uh, dreadlock wigs. Andy gets a Millie Vanilli t-shirt, Angela gets a lay, and of course, you got it, Michael made a getting laid joke. Um, Pam, perhaps just as inappropriate, he gave her a coconut bra and insisted that she try it on. He wasn't sure if he got the size right, so he wanted to make sure that it was right. Um, Pam just says no, <laughs> <laughs> and Stanley um, he got some quote ganja, but it was actually coffee. And Creed responds by offering to get Stanley some real ganja. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I do want to mention or point out at least the Millie Vanilli shirt. I don't think was Millie Vanilli. I think it was Bob Marley. Which I think is the I joke.
0: I thought so too. <laughs> but I wasn't sure. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. Full I, I was full
0: disclosure Yeah, I I'm not entirely sure what Millie Vanilli looks like, full disclosure, but
1: uh Millie Vanilli was an R and B duo from Munich. I was looking it up just now, just to make sure I wasn't ah. off base. <laughs> but uh
0: Okay. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That looked like Bob Barley.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh and I, I think it's also worth pointing out that. Michael makes the laid joke to, of all people in the office, Angela Martin. And so, you know, that goes over extremely well with her. <laughs> uh, I exactly love
0: Exactly as well as you would think, yeah.
1: I love the, uh, are you familiar with the Jamaican term Hakuna Matata? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's a bit in the episode where, where Stanley's um, bonus check was less than Michael promised it would be. So he just stops doing work until Michael fixes his check. And um, we see some deleted scenes of him just refusing to do work. His phone is ringing. Phyllis looks up at him like, come on, are you really not going to answer that? Karen gets fed up with him and just picks up the phone and lays it down on his desk. So it'll stop ringing. Um, Yeah, he's just pretty much a ceasefire on any, any work for the day until Michael fixes his mistake.
1: I love how willing Stanley always is to not work. Like he works when it's, <laughs> it's time to work, but if he has even the slightest opportunity to not do something, he will take that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Um, we see a glimpse of Jan at corporate lying to somebody about visiting her sister in Scottsdale. That's the fiction that she'd been telling everybody this whole episode who wasn't Michael. Um, and, at the same time, she's lying or talking to him about this. He's sitting behind his desk and looking at his computer, which has the email of, with the photo of her and Michael open. Uh, so he's staring at this computer while she is telling him this fiction about what she was doing.
0: Yeah, it's it's always Scottsdale, Arizona to visit her sister, um, which she she keeps playing up this episode and then the deleted scenes. And uh, I think in the future as well, she, she visits Scottsdale a lot. Um, and always seems to get tan in Scottsdale. So it's uh, kind of a running bit with, with Jan in the office. Um, Continuing on that Stanley not working bit, Michael finally gives Stanley his bonus in the form of a $1,000 Jamaican dollar bill and mentions that the exchange rate is 65 to 1, but he's not sure which way the conversion works. So it could be worth <laughs> a lot of money or no money. Um, so Stanley just, you know, of course... It's worthless to Stanley. Um, and also, why is Michael carrying around a 1000 Jamaican dollars? Not sure. But uh, yeah, he, he fully invested in his trip, I guess. It,
1: it's funny. I thought it was all inclusive. Why did he need extra money? Hmm.
0: That's a good point. <laughs>
1: yeah. um,
0: I don't see Michael venturing out of the resort
1: a whole lot. No, of course not. Toby uh, is talking with Kevin at one point at the Luau that Angela has thrown together. He says, you know, I used to live in Honolulu for a year. Hawaii is where you would actually associate Luau's with, uh, not Jamaica. And Kevin says, Oh, so you've been to a real Luau and Angela is standing nearby and has been stressing over this party, uh, for the last three hours. And she walks off upset saying I didn't have time. (laughs) Kevin didn't mean it (laughs) as a slight against her. It's just, this isn't a Luau. And, uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're at work.
1: (laughs) Last for me, um, as far as deleted scenes go, there's this funny moment with Roy where everybody is downstairs doing inventory and Ryan is staring up at the shelves. And he's concerned and expresses these concerns to Roy that there are seven boxes fewer of a certain type of paper than they should have. So Roy takes the scanner that Ryan is holding, scans a single box seven times, and says, looks good to me, and just walks off. <laughs> um, and then
0: Ryan, of course, like, uses that strategy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Um, and just speaking of Roy, something I didn't mention earlier, there was a moment between him and Pam in the actual episode, um, which actually is pretty important. I'm kind of upset I didn't mention it earlier. But uh, she has rejoined the Luau after crying in the hallway and is sitting with Roy, uh, who, of course, all this season has been trying to get back with her. Um, and Roy makes a joke about how when they were planning their honeymoon and she wanted to go to go to Hawaii and he wanted to go to Mexico, that he was definitely right. And they sit and they laugh together. And so there's some sort of something going on there, whether it's just them becoming friends again, or Roy's finally becoming successful. We don't know, but they did share a nice moment together.
0: Yeah, we've seen that build now for several episodes, Um, and he's definitely up to something. He's trying to win her back or at least be friends with her, Um, and it seems to be working, as you said, so keep an eye on that.
1: As for our discussion topic for this episode, I was wondering, because the crux of this episode uh, revolves around Michael accidentally sending an email to the wrong people, uh, have you ever had any embarrassing email snafus, like uh, sending something to the wrong person or realizing after the fact that you have lots of spelling errors and so it doesn't just doesn't look professional or anything to that effect? Are there any embarrassing email stories you have?
0: Well, it's not email. It's actually a text, but... Mm. It'll work. Um, and again, this is not one of my best moments, so please do not judge me on this. But my boss text, this is a boss from a long time ago. My boss texted me and um, just asking if I could like work more or whatever. And I was really frustrated. And I meant to text my friend um, a screenshot of what my boss had sent me. I can think you probably know where this is going. I Oof. accidentally set the screenshot back to my boss. Um Yeah. Not <laughs> my best moment. I just I just straight up apologized. I was like, sorry. Um can't work tonight. Like <laughs> this is embarrassing, but you were getting on my nerves. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I just kind of yeah. told the truth. And uh you that's all you can really do in that situation. They got yeah. over it, but you know, it's a little not my best moment, for sure. What about uh, it, you?
1: it happens. Uh, mine's not so much a specific instance, but I would be a very rich man if I had a dollar for every single time I sent an email saying that I have attached something and then oh, sent yeah. the email without <laughs> attaching that thing. I have done that yep. so many <laughs> times. and It's always sometimes... that
0: second email of like, and here's the attachment.
1: <laughs> oh, but sometimes, Katie, it was the third or fourth email before I finally... Attached oh, the yeah. <laughs> correct thing. <laughs> It'd be like I send the email attached is this form or this document or whatever, and I send it without attaching it, and then I type up a follow up email and say, "Okay, sorry for the mistake the first time. This one actually has it attached." And then again, I preemptively send it before <laughs> attaching it, and it takes a, another oh. time or two before I get it right. That that happens too often. Um, but well, c'est la vie, I suppose. <laughs> it's
0: it's chronic. It happens to everyone, right? <laughs> Well, moving on to our second episode of discussion today, Traveling Salesman. It aired on January 11th, 2007, directed by Greg Daniels, written by three people. We have Lee Eisenberg, Michael Schur, and Gene Stipnitsky.
1: Angela of Accounting was late in sending off Dunder Mifflin Scranton's tax returns to corporate the day before. But her secret boyfriend, Dwight, offered to arrive late to work so that he could deliver the forms in person so that Angela doesn't get in trouble. Once he arrives back in Scranton, the salesmen are partnered off to make joint sales calls, and Andy, whose idea it was initially, partners with Michael with the goal of turning him against Dwight. By the end of the episode, Michael has learned about Michael has learned about Dwight's trip to New York, but doesn't know why. And Dwight, who does not want to reveal his relationship with Angela for her sake, quits Dunder Mifflin.
0: Yeah, uh, that shocked me big time when I first watched this. Um... I'm sure we'll talk more and more about that, but huge, obviously, very huge moment for Dwight.
1: Right. Let's, let's sort of talk about the stuff leading up to it. Um, first off, the episode starts with uh, Angela looking clearly very worried. Um, she's sort of glancing towards the front door. She's standing over in her area of the office, and uh, she just looks anxious, and we don't know what's going on. Uh, but we do know that the tax returns were late because Kevin mentions it to her and emphasizes how important it is, and uh, she all she says is that they arrived this morning, and we don't have any other background information or context aside from that.
0: We have lots and lots of subplots in this episode, lots of things going on because we have all of our teams of salesmen, so we have. Um, when Dwight finally arrives back, we have Jim and Dwight. We have Andy and Michael. We have Karen and Phyllis. And then back at the office, we have Pam and Angela have a little bit going on. Um. So lots of pairs today, lots of um, subplots, as I said. So let's start with Jim and Dwight. So they actually make a really good sales team. In fact, uh, Jim says that they used to go on sales calls all the time together. And they show this photo of the two of them, presumably many years ago. Dwight has big curly hair and Jim has, you know, bowl haircut nearly. They're uh, much younger and they make a good team. They have this phone trick that they pull where um, it's very well choreographed. They're, talking about how much better their customer service is than the big chains. And so Dwight asks to borrow the phone of the man that they are uh, making their sales pitch to. And so he calls one of the big guys, presumably Staples or Office Depot or somebody. And um tries to get through to their customer service. And it takes a long time, and Jim says, "Yeah, so he's been on the phone with them the whole time." And then pulls out his phone, calls Dunder Mifflin, gets through right away. So they have this cool, you know, Bit that they do, um, and they work really well together.
1: Yeah, Jim's very straightforward and honest, and Dwight's aggressive and forward, almost to the point of being rude. Like he he asks to borrow the phone and makes the call, and like shouts out the customer service uh, automation numbers in order to get through to uh, the the waitlist, the hold. Um, but they make the sale. Uh, they're they're incredibly effective and. Uh, Jim revealing that the two of them used to do CLS calls all the time together. I just have to wonder, were they better friends at some point in time or did something happen that changed their relationship and really distanced them from one another, made them more of the rivals that we see today? Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I don't know. I, I do wonder because they have, I mean, even in their pranks and their fights, they have a certain chemistry and i think that i mean that that goes from working together for years and bugging each other for years but i think and i've said this before but i think that they do have a softer spot for each other than the pranks i think that they do care about each other and we actually see that at the end of the episode when dwight leaves he has quit um he's walking out of the office and he sees jim and karen um uh, entering the building And he kind of stops and gives Jim this big, huge bear hug. And I think that, you know, at the bottom of their relationship, of their friend, or yeah, of their relationship is a friendship.
1: I think so too. Um, And that that moment after Dwight has quit and does give Jim a hug, uh, Jim doesn't know what's going on because he hasn't been in the office. Uh, But it does show, it's almost like a little bit of, you never know what you've got till it's gone. Kind of thing. I know that's such a corny phrase, but Dwight has considered Jim like his enemy this whole time, and now that his time at Dunder Mifflin is apparently over, he gives Jim one last hug before he leaves.
0: Yeah, uh, big huge episode, and I I always kind of forget that that's coming. It's such a big um, dramatic moment for Dwight.
1: Then we have. Andy and Michael, and as I said in the summary, Andy's continuing his plan to sort of take down Dwight, and apparently is successful by the end of it. But he he has this idea of tag teaming sales. He chooses Michael, and then uses the whole day as a way to highlight everything Dwight has done wrong. But the thing that I notice, and Michael seems to notice this as well, that most of the things Andy points out are one time mistakes, like trying to take Michael's job from Jan. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. But he was loyal one hundred percent before then, and has been loyal, and is doing Michael's laundry one hundred percent after that. Um, he was late once or twice, if you remember Jim making Dwight think that Thursday was Friday back in performance review in season two. So, uh, those are the big ones that he points out until he realizes through breaking into Dwight's car that he went to New York that morning. Um, and Dwight, or Michael, sorry, goes and just sort of ignores Andy a lot of the day, it seems. Uh, it He doesn't really seem to be taking a lot of what Andy is saying and using it or putting it in his mind against Dwight.
0: Yeah, and I think Michael seeing that uh, slip from from Dwight's car, proving that he had been in New York, just kind of set off a big red flag for Michael because oh my gosh, what if he's trying to steal my job again? Um, Because really he was doing the company a favor, but Dwight's not about to disclose that to Michael because he wants to keep his relationship with Angela a secret. Which I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that because I think that the Dwight we have seen so far, I don't know, I always thought that he would side with the company more than he would with Angela, but he proved otherwise today. I wanted to know your thoughts on that.
1: When you say sided more with Angela or the company than with Angela, do you mean just in regards to her missing the deadline and having to face the consequences?
0: Well, I think he would um kind of rat out, not not rat out, but um he would disclose their relationship in order to save his job. Um but he chooses not to do that. He chooses to keep the privacy of his relationship with Angela and therefore have to give up his job. Um I always thought that he would just say, I did it for Angela, um, and therefore be the good guy.
1: I don't know. I, I just think that that does strengthen the bond that Dwight and Angela apparently have. He actually is discussing with her after Michael has sort of given him this ultimatum to reveal what he's doing or uh, face the consequences. Uh, he talks with Angela and he says, You know, I'm perfectly willing to to let people know that we've seen each other. I care about you, and it doesn't matter if other people know that. And she is the one who wants to keep it private. And so respecting her, he doesn't tell and decides to quit instead. So I, I think it, it, it is significant that he sort of chooses her over his job, but uh, I think that definitely serves a purpose of, like I said, strengthening their bond. Uh, and really taking it not to the next level. That's such a corny thing to say, but that's the sentiment at least.
0: Yeah, because really until this episode, I kind of never felt that their relationship was real in a sense. I felt like, you know, maybe they were just in it for the physical <laughs> benefits of a relationship or, um, you know, just sort of a casual thing. But this proves that Dwight sees it as a really valuable relationship because we know how much he values his job.
1: Right. and. What what I had a question about was whether—do you really think that Michael would have fired him if Dwight didn't have an answer? Because he didn't say that was the consequence. He just said, I want to hear by the end of the day what you were doing in New York, and I want you to think about your future at this company, which I guess could be seen as a threat to his job. But I don't really see Michael firing Dwight over this, especially since he talked to Jan— and knows that he wasn't there to talk to her.
0: I would agree with that. I don't think he would have fired him. Um, Maybe some more laundry or washing his car or something, but I think Dwight's too valuable to Michael, and you're right. Because Michael knows that Dwight was not there to see Jan, I mean, who else is he going to talk to? I don't think David Wallace would see him. Who would he be there for? Uh, but I don't think Michael thought about it that way necessarily. But Dwight just took it into his own hands and quit. So Michael never got the chance to fire him or not to fire him. But I don't think he would have necessarily.
1: So in that case, then Dwight quitting, uh, assuming that's what this was going to lead to with Michael, if he didn't have a proper answer, it really is giving Michael a little bit of a lesson in trust. Dwight says, you have to believe me. I was not betraying you. I wouldn't betray you again. And Michael forcing him to come up with some sort of answer led Dwight to feel like this was what was necessary.
0: So moving on to Phyllis and Karen, theirs is not nearly as dramatic. Oh, I, I missed a pairing, by the way. I just want to throw this in. We also had Stanley and Ryan was a
1: pairing,
0: <laughs> um, which is a good one. But Karen and Phyllis was a pairing. Um, they were a a sales pair. And Phyllis had this idea to take Karen to go on a makeover, which I'm sure everyone watching is like, what are they thinking? I mean, Karen does not dress like that. Phyllis dresses a little bit like that. You know, the big hair and lots of makeup. Um, But even that was a lot for Phyllis. Karen definitely does not do her hair and makeup like that. So what was Phyllis thinking? And then they go into this pitch. And Phyllis is kind of bonding with, with the guy and asks about his wife. And he turns around a photo of he and his wife on a recent vacation. And she has her hair and makeup styled just like Phyllis and Karen do. <laughs> lots of big hair and lots of makeup. And you see that moment with Karen just kind of nodding and kind of giving Phyllis her her props for uh, for the smart move. So basically they were just appealing to this guy's taste in women. To try to get this sale is really smart and silly, but smart.
1: Yeah, it's funny how exasperated and almost uncomfortable Karen looks right after the makeover. Uh, But then they do share that look and she discovers, oh, there was a sort of a method to the madness. (laughs) Um, But then we get the bombshell from uh, Phyllis, bombshell for Karen, not for us, where she learns that Jim had a thing for Pam for apparently a long time and in that moment she's crestfallen you can tell i mean what do you do with that information uh especially when it was a bombshell it's not something that, that she really had any hint to previously uh and she's she's just started up this relationship with this guy she moved to scranton for this guy essentially uh and here she's finding out that this that he had these apparently strong Uh, feelings for this person who still works in the same building as them
0: yeah and i was thinking if you know should jim have warned her maybe not because presumably not many people at the office knew about jim's feelings for pam but of course they do a lot of them do and phyllis kind of let that slide or let that slip rather thinking that karen knew about jim's feelings so Sort of slippery, um, kind of a tough, you know, tough call there. But now Karen knows. Jim, I think, put her at ease, said, you know what? Yeah, I used to have a crush on her, which were his words. I don't know that crush is the right word. Um, But he he told her that, you know, I, I did have feelings for Pam, but that's over. I'm really glad you're here. So he made Karen feel better. At least it looks like it.
1: It's funny, Phyllis almost has a tendency, it seems, to let slip information or things that she probably shouldn't. The first one that comes to mind is back in email surveillance. That's a, a flashback. Email surveillance back in season two as well, when Jim has the barbecue at his place. And Phyllis and Pam are talking, and she says something to Pam about her and Jim being together in some form or fashion. And... Pam says, oh, wh- what? What? We're just friends. And Phyllis is embarrassed because uh, she just assumed and didn't have proper information. And same thing here. She assumes that Karen already knows this. But like I said, she's, she's dropping a bombshell. So just a little bit more about Andy. And I hinted towards this in our discussion over uh, the, the last episode, Back From Vacation, where we learn how tone deaf of a salesman Andy actually appears to be. He makes Michael lose a sale, and that's saying something because we've actually seen how tremendously capable Michael is as a salesman in past episodes. Um, we're, they're in the sales pitch, and Michael is relating with the client or potential client in regards to fishing at a certain location um, and playing up his catch versus any catch he ever had. And then Andy introduces a completely different scenario where instead of fishing from a boat, he shot a shark from a small ship slash yacht. And then Michael tries to emphasize the small business nature and personalization of Dunder Mifflin and their customer service. And Andy decides instead to emphasize its many resources, making it seem more like a larger company and ultimately turning the client off the sale. Um, Now, something interesting, I was looking on the Wikipedia page for this episode, and it seemed to suggest, just in the way they phrased it, and uh, keep in mind, this is Wikipedia, but it's interesting discussion anyways. They suggested that Andy sabotaged the meeting intentionally, for the sole purpose of using his "shrouded it up" line in the car afterward. Now, do you think that's a case, or uh, I, I don't know. It's just an interesting question. I think
0: I definitely didn't think about it that way, but now that you say that, um, watching that scene where he does mention "shrouded it up," it seems a little. I don't know. It does seem a little planned, but I don't know if I'm just imagining that because you said that. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I don't like Andy at all in this episode. I think he's at his worst that we've seen him. I think he's mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely sabotaging Dwight for pretty much no reason, um, but I, I hope he wouldn't go as far as, as you know, sabotaging a sale. That's, and he even says, do we want that guy's business? And Michael says, that's the point um we do um i i'm gonna say no only because i really want to give him the benefit to to give him the benefit of the doubt but i don't don't know Uh,
1: yeah i i don't think that he sabotaged it on purpose because watching him in the actual sales pitch scene it seems like he's trying to relate to these two who are making a connection and just screws it up because he can't relate to them he has different life experiences and doesn't know how to uh maybe fudge the truth a little bit in order to sell the person rather than sell the product which yeah, which sense. which we've seen Michael is very good at
0: right So moving on to Pam and Angela a little bit, um, not a ton to say about them, except that they were back at the office together and, um, Angela is in a very good mood today because Dwight has done this very selfless thing for her. He's driven to New York and dropped off the documents and, you know, sacrificed his standing with Michael a little bit, uh, because he was late and she's just in a really good mood. You know, she, she feels that she and Dwight are in a really good place. And she and Pam go out to get coffee, um, and they have a nice little bonding day. I think.
1: Yeah, it's funny at the coffee shop. Pam actually, uh, says, you know, I bet you wish you were like this all the time, <laughs> which I think is really sort of projecting. <laughs> uh, man, I wish you were like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, she, Angela comes up and offers to go out to coffee, and she's downright cheerful, and Pam is just surprised. Uh. It's all thanks to Dwight's quote gallant efforts to do something for Angela despite it making him late to work uh that she's in this mood and it's funny how she how not subtle she is in telling her story to Pam uh using her and Dwight's middle names uh <laughs> to to disguise their right. names and Dwight's middle name at least has been very publicly known among the office he's Dwight K Schrute uh very specifically uh and Jim has mentioned Dwight's middle name at points before, so it's not like that was private information. Now I don't know if we knew Angela's middle name was Noel, but still, it wasn't hard for anybody to figure out that she was talking about her and Dwight. Um, but it is funny how apparently short-lived her happiness is, or how underneath she still is a somewhat aggressive person, where they're, they're still they're they're waiting in line at the coffee shop and a barista hasn't helped them yet. So she says, hello, uh, very impatiently (laughs) shouting for somebody to come take their order. And something that we meant to mention a little bit earlier, but we'll go ahead and say it now. There are differences in this episode from the Netflix version to the version that is on the DVD Uh, on the DVD. This episode is actually combined with the next episode, the return uh, obviously, we're not talking about that one just yet, and we're not going to talk about the commentary that is attached to that combined episode until next episode, uh, but there are some things that we talked about that were sort of exclusive to the DVD version.
0: Yeah, so if you're watching on Netflix, not all of this is on there. Um, in fact, something I wanted to say about Pam, I don't believe is on the Netflix version, and I don't think it's exclusively Netflix. Um I watched a bit of the commentary, and I'll explain now just so that it makes more sense, that this episode, I believe, was originally aired as its own half-hour, you know, 20-minute, half-hour episode, and then was later combined with The Return, which is the next episode. And then they put in some more scenes and some more lines, so... Yeah, sorry if that's confusing, but basically if you're watching on Netflix and maybe a couple of other platforms as well, you might be missing a very little bit of information, uh, but the story is still the same. But there is this one um, scene that, again, I don't believe is on Netflix where Angela is just really enjoying her friendship with Pam, and, and she says, I really like having these nice moments with you, and Pam's smiling and Angela's smiling, and Angela says, you know what? My cat just had a litter of kittens, and I would love to offer you the alpha male, I think she says, is the the, the biggest kitten. And Pam apparently is, you know, not really a cat person or doesn't really want a cat. Um, and she kind of makes an excuse and says, oh, sorry, you know, my, my landlord has rules, you know, but thanks. And Angela just gets really angry and turns around and like huffs off. <laughs> As if that's a friendship breaker. <laughs> like, yeah, she's I don't instantly want one cold. Of your cats. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and the whole reason, or the whole thing that leads into that is the sort of final talking point for this episode, as far as characters go. And that's that Pam won an art contest. Um, she did a watercolor of a local elementary school, and the sixth grade class voted and chose hers as the winner. Um, now, despite the fact that it was chosen by a bunch of sixth graders as the winner, uh, she is actually really excited to win this art contest, and uh, she she has this real big, genuine smile. She's happy. She's excited, and she wants to share her victory with someone. So first she tells Kevin. He asks, uh, oh, how much did you win? She said $100, and he says, oh, well, last night I won $400 betting on the Celtics game. And uh, she's like, oh, congratulations, Kevin. And he just says, thanks, and offers no return (laughs) congratulations. Uh, So it sort of shows how much Pam is missing this real human connection with somebody at Dunder Mifflin nowadays. And she shares it with Angela in that moment you were just talking about. Um, And that's when Angela actually does say, oh, I'm happy for you, congratulations. And then she offers a cat and friendship ruined (laughs) because Pam doesn't want the cat. (laughs) Um, But then we do get the moment uh again this is exclusive to the dvd version in relation to netflix at least this scene is not on netflix but after karen has asked jim to go meet for coffee to talk about a potential crush with pam uh as they are on their way out the door pam stops jim and tells him about winning the art contest and he is ecstatic he is so happy for her so proud as a friend and it's Everything that you want that friendship to be, but it's just bad timing for him regarding Karen. Uh, But it is a great boost for Pam and reveal, again, of how important his opinion is to her.
0: And as he is at her desk kind of celebrating with her, he wants to see the painting that she submitted. He wants to hear all about it. Karen is at the door, at the front door of the office, waiting to go get coffee. And she says... Jim, you ready? Can we go? Um, Because as you said, they are on their way out to go talk about Pam and his feelings for Pam. And here he is, you know, you could call it friendship, you could call it flirting, you could call it whatever you want to. But um, having this good moment with Pam and she's just watching, Karen's just watching and it's kind of being solidified for her that, yep, he definitely has or had feelings for her.
1: Right. I think she's starting to pay attention to those little moments that him and Pam still occasionally have. They're certainly not as uh, as often. They don't pop up as often as they used to. But those little moments where they, they really do bond with each other, uh, they become a little bit more grating to her as she's trying to await more information.
0: So moving on to some funny moments for this episode, Um, the cold open, we have Harvey the talking computer, uh, which is Michael's pretty basic (laughs) joke. Um, You know, that function where you, on the old PCs, maybe you still can, I use a Mac, I'm not sure, but where you could type something out into the program and it would, it would speak out um, the text. And so Michael has figured out this a setting on his computer and has named his computer Harvey, puts some eyes and a hat on his computer and makes it say crass things to Jim and Pam.
1: <laughs> it, it's the, the icing on the cake of it is that Michael tries to get away with it because, oh, I can't control him. And Jim just says, yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, but uh, then Pam and Jim start turning it against Michael by teasing him and the computer over the spelling mistakes, because it's a computer and anything that Michael types in, spelling mistakes and all, uh, that's what's read out. So instead of long time, it turns into long Tim. And instead of lo- love, it becomes lobe and uh, you becomes yoy or something like that. So that's how sort of Jim and Pam shut down his joke is by pointing out all of those mistakes as. Michael is feverishly trying to type out this thing that is apparently hysterical to him, uh, but not so funny to anybody else because it's pretty rude. And he finishes by course, saying boobs yeah. <laughs> there at the yeah, end. Yeah, he to
0: saying he retaliates with a, with a strong end of, of the fight there, yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite bits in this episode is when Dwight and Jim are on their way to the sales call And Jim's driving his car. Um, Dwight decides to sit in the seat behind the driver's seat because he swears it is the safest part of the car because in the event of an accident, the driver always protects his side first. (laughs) Um, So Jim proves that you can also be hurt in that seat by slamming on the brakes and Dwight hits his head on the driver's seat. Just just a little jab at him.
1: And there's a similar one later as they're entering the building where they're making the sales pitch, uh, where Jim offers the door to Dwight. Here, he says, here you go, sir, or something like that. And Dwight says, no, you enter first. I don't let anybody enter behind me because 70% of attacks come from the rear. Jim says, well, that means there's still a 30% chance that I can attack you from the front. And Dwight starts saying, oh, well, I would block it, easy to counter, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. And while he's saying that, Jim just reaches out and slaps him mid-sentence and walks away. <laughs> and Dwight <laughs> just is is stunned. And he stands there and he sort of glances around. Oh, did anybody see that? And doesn't retaliate. He's just, okay. Well, It's like a well-played kind of moment. Like, okay, you got me. And just, <laughs> he sort of wordlessly enters the building one of my favorite recurring jokes from the series is Michael calling Phyllis old or like the grandma of the office or any other various turn of phrase like that. And then her pointing out that they're actually the same age and that they graduated high school together. So, uh, that happens in this episode at one point. Uh, and again, like I said, Phyllis corrects and says, Michael, we're the same age. And (laughs) Michael doesn't say anything in response. Um, (laughs) now, At the very start of the episode, Kevin is telling Angela about this voicemail from corporate about how they didn't get the tax returns that night and that it's a big deal. And she says, is it a big deal, Kevin? Is it? And he pauses and says, do you really not know? Because it is a big deal. She just sort of (laughs) rolls her eyes and continues staring at the door for Dwight. Um, And... You know, we didn't mention anything about Stanley and Ryan earlier, except that they were partnered together. So uh, I guess I can close off our funny moments section with uh, the fact that Ryan asked to take charge at the sales pitch Uh, and then Stanley could critique him afterwards and they arrive and Stanley greets the four men that they'd be meeting with. And Ryan discovers it is four fellow black men. And Stanley is very friendly with them and knows them all by name and they know him and so Ryan realizes he's, com- he's completely out of his element and Stanley offers no help and just stands aside doing his crossword. And uh, afterwards, he just laughs at him. Uh, like I said earlier, I think Stanley is just happy for the opportunity to work without working, uh, as in whether he helped out with that sales pitch or not, he's still getting a paycheck at the end of the day. And he just thinks it's funny that Ryan couldn't say anything aside from hi uh once uh he met the few of them
0: I love that moment where Ryan turns to Stanley um after Stanley has kind of excused himself and Ryan just stares at him hoping he'll step back in and it's just a couple of seconds of staring and then he realizes that Stanley's not going to do anything so he turns back and just hi hi <laughs> 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 just he just can't say anything because stanley has now invested in his crossword and he's not coming back out
1: no not at all uh now deleted scenes as we said there were a whole bunch of deleted scenes uh on the dv it was actually like 26 minutes long so we're only going to mention a few of them uh but how about you start us off katie
0: i think one of my favorites um is when Michael is telling the uh, the sales team that they're going to be double teaming and Dwight expresses his doubt he says you know I don't think doubling everything is the best way to go um, of course he's he's just upset that Andy has made this uh, suggestion so he's kind of retaliating and he says doubling everything isn't better what if everyone had two heads and four arms and women had four boobs or or eight boobs Sixteen boobs. And he just kind of keeps going <laughs> up and up. Um he's clearly a little um carried away with the idea of uh more than two. Let's just put it that
1: way. Right. <laughs> um Michael had a talking head in a deleted scene about how he demands punctuality from his employees so that when I eventually show up, <laughs> they could get started right away. <laughs> so he demands punctuality from his employees, but it's not so important for himself. That's what we take away from that.
0: There's a deleted scene with Pam. Uh, we actually don't get, I don't think, any of Toby in the final cut of the episode, even the more extended cut. But Pam is offering to get everyone coffee. She goes to the back to the annex and asks Toby uh, if he would like anything. Toby asks for a chai tea latte. And Pam says, oh, my gosh, I thought I was going to get. And so they have a nice little bonding moment. It has been noted by now, of course, that Toby is a little interested in Pam, so he was really excited that they're going to be drinking the same thing. Um, And then when Pam returns from the coffee shop, Kelly works back near Toby's office, so Pam just hands Toby's coffee to Kelly, asks her to take it back to him, and Toby's so disappointed. I mean, the whole point of him getting coffee was so that Pam would give it to him, and they would have one more chance to talk. And so he just puts his coffee in the trash. He doesn't even drink it.
1: Oh, poor Toby. <laughs> poor Toby. <laughs> uh, um, my, my, I love how when she first asks him for his order, uh, she's very friendly to him and he just doesn't know how to respond. And so it's like if he wanted to flirt with her, he was doing it wrong. And that really yeah. is like the story of every single time they talk together. And he thinks he has a shot and he just doesn't do anything. Uh, There is an extended scene of Andy and Michael in the car, and it's right after the whole I used to work at Abercrombie, Abercrombie, so I'm good at folding in that that scene, and Andy starts complimenting Michael's really bad impressions of other people, and then does a few of his own, including two Sean Conneries in a row, and Michael gets them all wrong, but Andy says he got them right because Brown knows, and Michael, or Andy says, you know, it's great that we're sharing our lives and becoming friends. And so Michael says, oh, uh, uh, well, I've been seeing and doing a lot of Jan recently. So that's going on in the background. Again, Michael, not knowing what to keep intimate and what to tell other people. And uh, yeah, that's how that scene goes.
0: There's a talking head deleted scene where Pam uh, talks about seeing Dwight in the office when she came in on a Saturday. He was there reorganizing the kitchen shelves, which she said was kind of almost sweet until he criticized her weekend outfit, (laughs) (laughs) which just brings a lot of questions to mind. But I can definitely see Dwight doing that, being there, just reorganizing things and taking the extra step to better the office on his weekend off.
1: Uh, one last one for me. As I said, there's 26 minutes of these. So if you really want to see and hear about all these deleted scenes, go check them out for yourself on the DVD. Um, but when Pam does go around asking for coffee orders, she goes to Kevin and he says, I've already had four cups and I'm bouncing off the walls. And it's uh, the super monotone <laughs> Kevin style where he he doesn't appear to be bouncing off the walls, but I guess this... He might be talking a little bit faster than normal. I don't know. That might be bouncing off the walls to Kevin.
0: <laughs> He's a pretty mellow guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, four four cups just doesn't seem to do much to him.
0: Well, so as as there were just nearly half an hour of deleted scenes, let's just move on to our discussion topic. Um, because we see Dwight kind of pumping up and head banging to Motley Crue in Jim's car before the sales call. What is your, like, what's your pump up music? What's, um, what do you listen to to get revved up?
1: Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, when I was doing a lot of running last year to, to get fit and all that kind of stuff, I basically listened to act one of Hamilton every single time. Uh, that, that one gets my, that, that one's a great one. It's energetic. It's fun. Tells a good story. Uh, lots of good running tracks. The, to push yourself a little bit with some pauses in between. So, act one of Hamilton is up there. But then, as far as just like getting excited, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I like Billy Joel a lot. I've mentioned that before. Uh, in fact, a year ago yesterday, I saw Billy Joel in concert. So, I've sort of been reliving that. Uh, nice. Yeah. So, th- those, those are my main answers, I suppose. Billy Joel for just fun getting amped up, and then Hamilton for like working out. What about you?
0: I also have a weird working out one. Not that yours is weird, but
1: it's a little weird. <laughs> um,
0: but mine's weirder, so it's okay. I uh, I can disclose this to you because you're also a classical music dork. Um, mm-hmm. I love listening to like really big symphonies when I'm working out. I think it's so like, I don't know. It's just so big and exciting or like musicals with really really big choruses mm-hmm. um Les Mis or something just really gets my blood pumping so I'll listen to those when I work out um which is odd but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um, or um I love Mumford and Sons my favorite band so any of their stuff um yeah that like gets me out of bed in the morning if I'm having a slow Monday or something that'll that'll get me going
1: yeah, we're we're a different kind of people, I suppose, from the norm. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our official twenty-second episode of an American workplace. You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash workplacepod or on Twitter at workplacepod. If you would care to to if you would care to rate, review, or subscribe on iTunes, we would always really appreciate your feedback. Uh, speaking of feedback, you can email us ideas and feedback at workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash white.
1: And the best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins, and also my other podcast, Cinescope, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them, which you can find wherever podcasts can be found and at the website, thecinescopepodcast.com.
0: That's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 22 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 23 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season three, The Return, and Ben Franklin. Bye.